Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. A big week of racing in Texas started with a historic moment last Sunday in Austin. Today on the Motorsports Hour, we will talk with the young man who delivered that moment, 18-year-old IndyCar rookie Colton Herta. The action continues this Saturday night here on NBCSN with Monster Energy Supercross. That'll be in Houston. Now, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. won't be grabbing a bike and joining in, but close. The NASCAR star is our guest analyst for the event. He'll call in today to talk about his busy weekend ahead. Looks pretty good on two wheels. Even with, was that, yeah, even with the boots, which happens to include 500 miles of Cup Series racing on Sunday at Texas Motor Speedway just outside of Dallas in Fort Worth. Track president Eddie Gossage and his team are preparing for another wild show, and we're going to hear from Eddie today as well. The Motorsports Hour, it's the NASCAR America show that's a little bit about NASCAR, but as you just saw, a lot of other stuff going on this week in the world of racing. It's also opening day for Major League Baseball. I know your world is racing. Did either of you um, play Little League Baseball? Um, I, I was going to, and then I realized <laughs> I was scared of the baseball coming at my head, so it was just safer to wear a helmet and try to, to avoid walls. Mm, Smart yeah. choice. I got hit in the face once, and I quit after that. So that was I, it. I'd stick with him, yeah. facing safer. And the sign-up for our NASCAR America softball team just Stick went with the Rutledge and yeah. Kyle. Yeah, no. Yeah. All right, we're going to have some well. special guests joining us throughout the hour. But when you have two drivers next to you, like I do with AJ and Parker, and news like we saw Tuesday comes out with the 2020 schedule, definitely want to get your thoughts. But let's go ahead and remind viewers of the big changes. At the top of the list, the recently renovated ISM Raceway in Phoenix will now take over in 2020, championship weekend from Homestead Miami Speedway, whose cup race will move to March. And here's how Joey Logano and Ryan Blaney reacted when they saw the changes for the first time. Here you go, sir. Thank you. All right, what we got? That's awesome. Heck yeah. And then we go yeah. to Whoa. What? Look at the first race in the playoffs. <laughs> that is pretty much shaken up. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess. Do you guys feel the same way? I think they way? were uh, shocked. Like, yeah, what's, what's the one thing maybe that, that jumps out? Well, I think, you know, the cool thing is there's a lot of, of many cool changes throughout this schedule change. And, and I think it's been well publicized, obviously, that the NASCAR kind of had their hands tied with the contracts, with the racetracks. But everyone worked together collectively, the racetracks, NASCAR, the industry, to find a schedule that suited some of the tracks better on weather, some of the tracks better for what fans wanted, entertainment-wise. And so I think they came up with a great compromise in that sense. One thing that really sticks out to me, and I know – it might be more of us at NBC causing this, but I think it's a really cool deal, was the two-week break for the Olympics. And the reason I point that out is that in Formula One, they have like a month-long break. They call it the summer break. 
and the teams are able to kind of take a little break, the, the crews, everyone from traveling around the world, and they kind of reset, refresh, and they go after the, the last part of the season. And I think for us in NASCAR, you know, this schedule can be a grind a lot of times for the crews, for the drivers, for everyone involved, for the media personalities, everyone involved, and therefore a two-week break, although it doesn't sound significant, is massively significant for those people to spend more time with their families and sort of refresh and then go after a championship in the playoffs. So I think that's a really cool deal, and I'd like to see something like that be thought of for as we go into the future as well. Yeah, one of the big shockers was ISM Raceway Phoenix mm -hmm. getting the season finale, which is something that, to me, could always be a revolving door, and, and the Super Bowl and, and many other sports do that. So that would be kind of cool if that was an option. Not sure if it is, but you know, to have that move to, to Phoenix – is a, a great racetrack to put on a great show for a championship finale. But one thing that really stands out to me is Daytona being the regular season finale. <laughs> and that's something that, you know, for me coming from a, a little team, Parker, you yep. being on a, a smaller team, yep. you know, my, my big race was going into Watkins Glen. I thought if I don't win this, trying to win another race to make it into the playoffs is going to be difficult. Yep. Well, now you go to Daytona and those teams that, really maybe don't have a chance at, say, a place like Indy or, you know, Chicago, any yep. place like that. Now you go to Daytona and say, you know what? We still have one more race, one more chance to go out there and shock the world and knock one of those big teams out of the playoffs yep. and make our way into that 16-team field. So that is something that is really cool and uh, going to be interesting <laughs> at the end of the regular season. No doubt. The only thing I'd point out is the doubleheader, right, at Pocono. I mean yeah. – you and I were talking off camera about the fact of, you know, that place can be a little physical, right? But you've, you add in that a lot of times it's really muggy there. It can be hot. And now you can do two of those races in a row. I mean, that's going to seriously test some drivers, some crew members in terms of just physicality of that racetrack and how tough it can be. So I think that's going to be an interesting one as well. Yeah, it'll be fun to see that that track is really rubber and temperature sensitive. Yep. So if one day is a, a bit different than the other or just a if it is a 400-mile race on Saturday, how much does that change the setup going into Sunday? And what teams can really figure out, maybe they were great on Saturday, and going into Sunday, do they change the setup? Do they leave it? So, yeah, Parker, that's uh, that's going to be an, just a, a complete yep. interesting weekend from start to finish. No well, doubt. Eddie Gossage, president of Texas Motor Speedway, has been one of the track promoters talking about the schedule over the last 48 hours. He's going to join us in a bit, not just because of those dates. He has an important race coming up this weekend at his track. So let's get you fired up for Texas with our top five wildest moments at that track. We start with spring 2014. I was behind this. You were. Um, bet, wait, not in yet. Uh, no, I was back. I was back. But anyways. Sorry. I was behind you. Yeah. Behind okay. There was a whole lot of grass yes. flying through the uh, trial over there and uh, a big fire. I remember I checking right up thinking that there was a huge wreck in front of me and it turned out just to be one car that was Dale. So. Okay, number four, and this was the first ever cup race at Texas. It was 1997. It was won by our Jeff Burton, but not before. What happened on lap one? Uh, repaves are slick, <laughs> and uh, back in 90, 1997, they were very slick. I believe that's Dale Waltrip getting spun out of there somewhere, that, that chrome car. Uh, but, yeah, they, I mean, that's what we know about repaves, yeah. and they experienced that for the first time. And they always say everything's bigger in Texas, so were the Rex for the first race. Well, if Jeff Burton likes seeing his win, he probably doesn't necessarily like seeing this, the fall 2010 race. Yeah, this was uh, after the caution, and, and Jeff Burton tried to walk up to Jeff Gordon after and give him a, hey, I didn't mean it. I was driving down the back straight, like, 
Whoa, we're throwing down. <laughs> we're going after it right here. You saw that. You saw yeah. that. Oh, cool. Number two. Oh, this one. This one always oh, hard to watch. Oh, that still hurts. Oh, still. I know. 2008 Ouch. qualifying. I, I was in the hauler. It sounded like a bomb went off when he mm. hit the wall. It was, I was scared. I was so thankful when Michael McDowell got out of this race car and limped over to the ambulance. I will never forget the natural sound of him hitting that wall. As you said, it's like a bomb going off. That yeah, was the most this moment when he climbs out and waves to the fans, uh, everyone's breath just sort of came back into their lungs. Uh, the number one. Any surprise it was from the 2014 playoffs? No, I mean, Brad, that was a, an aggressive move, but I thought it was a, this a good is the move. moment, and this is why. Barbrick said, hey, man, why don't you get in there and talk a little bit more and then <laughs> oh, stepped yeah, away yeah. and... Yeah. <laughs> The inst they called him the closer as the instigator, actually, yeah. in this situation. It, I was kind of yeah. on your side. I thought it was maybe an aggressive move, but it was a, a, a move that was validated in terms of trying to go for a win. So I, I don't know what he was. Jamie uh, Little in there. I'm not sure if she's trying to throw a punch or just trying to pull people away. She, I, she was, she she was, she was in always there. in the middle of it. You got Michael Rebus, that was Brad's PR guy at the yeah. time, yeah. trying to get in there a little bit, trying to pull Brad away. Remembers, yeah, that was uh, our number was one. When you one. said uh, you before, you didn't know what we were going to have, and yeah. you said, "I wonder if that'll be number one." Oh, you are correct. That you know, this is my shocked face. Yes, right here. Yeah. <laughs> so, Parker, what gives Texas its flavor? What specifically? Should fans look for this weekend? Well, obviously, it's been a little bit different since we had this repave a couple years ago. And so one of the things about this repave that we saw in the fall last year was a lot of single-file racing. Let's talk about what happened, what they did when they repaved it. So here we have a little animation. You see back before this repave in 2017, it was 24 degrees. Then it goes down to 20 degrees. Parker, you I, and I, I agree. There's, there, no there's no banking in that corner. It is <laughs> flat. 20 degrees. 20 yeah. degrees is optimistic at best. Uh, and then what they did, which was really interesting, probably why we think there's no banking, they extended from 50 feet to 78 feet down where the apron is so that's where we run now we run all the way down the apron and when you enter that corner it seems wide open like there's nothing to, to reference off of and it's really tough to kind of do it the same twice uh and so what we saw in the spring was a lot of single file racing or i mean the fall last year single file racing and now what's interesting is the track has actually applied the sicky stuff they've taken the tire dragon but they've only done it to the upper groove so to grooves two and three and higher and so I think the intention is to see if we can get those outer grooves to come in a little bit, add in the new package now, where, in my belief, because of how fast we were going through there last fall in three and four, I think you will be flat out from turn two all the way back to turn one. So I think this should be really interesting and a real test of this package. If they can make multiple grooves, I think we could see some real drafting for the first time, which would be kind of cool. Yeah, there's no question they're going to be flat out off of turn two. The, the good cars actually were still were flat out after turn two last year. But, yeah, it's it's going to make for, for great racing. It just – it'll be really key whether that PJ1 or sticky stuff or grip strip, whatever you want to call it, will allow cars to go in there side by side and find a second and third groove. Because what's going to happen is, is coming through three and four with this aero package, there's going to be such a draft because you're not going to be lifting that going into one, you're going to be carrying a ton of speed – whether you're looking under somebody or somebody you're trying to roll the outside, the brake markers and trying to find a spot is so difficult to try to figure out how to slow the car down. So is there a wider groove that if somebody gets under you, you can just move up a groove or, or two grooves and hit that stuff and still carry that speed off of turn two? Because the big thing is on the bottom, as you're starting to exit the corner, the banking that they say is there. <laughs> falls away, so the car gets really tight. So if there is side-by-side -side racing, yep. will that car on the bottom lose the nose 
and kind of meet at the same point. So I really believe this is going to make for a great race this weekend. Well, you know what else? The Biff is back. Not exactly this weekend. Greg Biffle, though, announcing today he will return to a truck at Texas in June, the first time he'll be back in NASCAR since 2016. He's going to take some laps this weekend, though, in that 51 just in practice yeah. to sort of knock the rust off. And you know what? I can tell he's going after the big money because this that June race, the, the uh, summer race they're doing is the start of that Gander Outdoors Ooh. deal where they're giving away big, like $50,000 to win each race, 500000 if you win all three. So he obviously knows how to pick them, the Biff. Well done. And, and, and went out on a limb there with the 51 truck. Yeah, that's, that's a, not a slow, I hear that's a pretty a good one. Truck, he so is a former he's gonna, series champion. He is going to have so a good shot at it. We're excited to see him back. Coming up next, the state of Texas will always have a special place in his heart. Last weekend's IndyCar winner from Austin, Colton Herta, joins us. Guess where he took the trophy? Here's a hint. It's kind of like his owner's backyard, but with 47,000 people looking on. Newgarden goes for three in a row at Barber Motorsports Park Sunday, April 7th on NBCSN. And this May on NBC, he'll go for the biggest win of all in the Indianapolis 500. NBC Sports, the exclusive home of IndyCar. Well, last weekend, IndyCar made its inaugural trip to Circuit of the Americas, the -the state-of-the-art road course in Austin, Texas. 18-year-old rookie Colton Herta was looking to finish near the front, but thanks to a late caution that changed the race, Colton had an opportunity to take the win, and he would not let it slip away. In only his third career start, Colton pulled away during the final laps and went on to his first IndyCar victory, a big moment for him, his father and former racer Brian, and for the sport itself. Because with the win, Colton Herta joined the group of youngest winners in a major motorsport series. That group includes NASCAR's Joey Logano and Formula One's Max Verstappen, among others. So in 48 hours, he turns 19. The youngest ever winner in IndyCar history, Colton Herta, joins us from 30 Rock in Manhattan. Now, these two are going to talk racing with you in just a minute. But let's start with the reason you're in New York City today. What have you been doing? I've been doing a bit of media. You know, obviously, uh, with the Steinbrenners having such an influential role in uh, New York City and and, uh, obviously the New York Yankees. I uh, got some opportunities to do media here with the uh, with the win, and um, you know I love spending time in New York City. It's one of my favorite cities in the world, so uh, I always uh, I always don't mind doing media here. Well, Colton, congrats on that win. Really, the moment you got on that racetrack at Coda in testing, you were fast right out of the box. Was there something about that racetrack that really just suited your style? I've been I've been wondering this myself too. Uh, it has to be something. It has to be something. Uh, I think it's maybe my ability to drive a, a loose race car through fast turns. Um, obviously, I always had really fast sectors in uh, in 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 the first section of the track through all the high speed stuff. So uh, maybe that was a bit of it. So loose is fast, as we all know, right? Right. So mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Yes. Uh, but I guess this is kind of a simple question because you won in your third start. But I was just curious if there was even an adjustment period from an Indy Lights car into an Indy car. You know, the difference in speed, the difference in downforce, physicality. Mm-hmm. I mean, was there even a time where you were like, oh no, these Indy cars are a lot faster? Oh, oh yeah, man. Uh, they, <laughs> they are definitely a lot all faster. Right. Um, Definitely more physical um, and, and a, just a big step up in personnel as well. Obviously, instead of working with one engineer in Indy Lights, now I'm working with you know five or six guys uh, 
on a given weekend. So uh, it's it's a big step up all around. Uh, the cars are, yes, a lot quicker, and yes, you do feel that. But the transition period, I feel like this is something that, that I'm very strong with. I'm very strong with, uh, you know, getting up to speed very fast at tracks. And uh, I think transitioning through through different cars, I've done it so many times in my career now that it's it's kind of a strength of mine. Your 2019's been slightly impressive yeah. winning the Rolex 24-hour race. So I'm curious, are there different emotions of winning the Rolex 24 to winning your first IndyCar race, or does it kind of just feel the same because it's all happening so quick? Um, definitely winning the uh, the Rolex was cool, but I have to put the uh, the IndyCar win above it. You know, this is something that uh, I've I've looked forward to for for my whole life ever since coming to the track when my dad was racing Indy cars and and being a little bit little track rat and uh, six years old, seven years old, going around the pits and stuff. So um, definitely the, definitely the IndyCar on IndyCar win on top. This is something that I've looked forward to for a long time. And after the race, you talked about how important it was winning IndyCar and all the names that have won before you in IndyCar. Is there anyone in particular that reached out and congratulated you that you couldn't believe that they were reaching out and, and it was a really cool moment in any way? Uh, I think the coolest thing that I heard uh, was was the captain congratulate me, uh, Roger Penske. Uh, obviously, that guy's done a ton, uh, not only in IndyCar, but in all of motorsports. So uh, to uh, to be congratulated by him means a lot. That's yeah, cool. absolutely. Really cool. Yeah. In your relationship with your owner, um, uh, George IV, slightly younger than, than RP, um, but a winner <laughs> in, the, in the sport, in the series. Do you guys have similar, mm -hmm. um, similar interests? Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, he's 22. I'm, uh, I'm 18. I think we consist of eating pizza and, and playing video games. That's the normal kind of young, <laughs> young person, what they do. But uh, no, but, uh, you know, it, it is it does help because I see George more as a friend than a boss. And uh, it really helps our relationship um, as a team owner and driver. And, and yeah, I think we, we get to joke around a lot more than than maybe me and Roger would do. <laughs> So there's a rumor out there that you might have the Mohawk returning for the Indy 500. Is this true? Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> I, for the people that don't know, I used to rock a Mohawk when I was maybe six or seven years old. Um, and I, I don't know. I thought it would be funny to bring it back. I might bring it back. I don't know, though. We'll have to stay tuned to find out. I say do it. That'd be awesome. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I know. You got a good mane going I, right I, now. I think I should. But yeah. The Mohawk, I, that's the next level. I just, yeah, yeah look at you guys all, I'm actually surrounded by great hair. Colton, you're in that club too. Parker, AJ, you guys all have great hair. But something else that people may not know about you, when you're not winning races, you're playing the drums. Are you, you're, is it true you're in a band called the Zibs? Yeah, yeah I'm in a punk band, actually. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's something different. You know, obviously, we spend so much time at the racetrack and, and so much time focused on this, on this one thing. And, um, you know, you spend nine months out of the year doing it, so it's kind of nice to, to kind of step away sometimes and, you know, you get that, that occasional Monday or Tuesday off so you can, uh, can kind of just hang out and that's just something that kind of draws racing off my mind. Okay, real question okay. is then, who wins in a drum off, Will Power right. or you? I've heard this a bunch. Um, I've never heard Will play the drums. He could be amazing, but he could <laughs> also be terrible. Who knows? Um, <laughs> You know what, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and say me just because I'm nice. high on confidence after the last race, so uh, we'll go with that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you definitely have the celebration down in terms of your, your Austin, your CODA celebration. It was, it was the pretty dance. good on stage. The dance the is what dance. you like? Yeah. This, this was oh, talking about. Yeah. We were trying to come up with what yeah, is that the hurdle? What is that? Yeah. What, what is that? 
I don't know. It's just like the most Texas thing I could think of while I was up there. <laughs> I've seen it on the screen now. It's hilarious. Yeah, I don't know. It just came to me as I was walking out. It was like, you know what? I'm just going just gonna to send it. Yeah, and then this is a funny moment, too. I guess they handed you the wrong bottle there for a or second. Or did and, they? Yeah, or did they? Yeah. What was the controversy here? Yeah, I'm... This is the first time I've seen... Oh, yeah, yeah, there it is. I'm like, oh, this is real. And, and Joseph's like, no, it's not. And then, uh, yeah, they ended up swapping... Uh, they ended up swapping the, the bottles on accident. Whoever was handing them out gave, gave Joseph, uh, the, the, however old he is, 25, 26, the uh, Martinelli's, and then I got the champagne for some reason. But uh, <laughs> it, it was all right. Good catch, good catch. Yeah, really I mean, the, the trouble with being 18, almost 19, and, and winning a race, I think you'll take those, those problems, though, anytime. Problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. good problems to have. All right. Well, best of luck to you uh, down at Barber Motorsports Thank Park. Thank you very much for taking it. And whoever knew you'd take a trip to victory. Those are two titles of Zib songs, by the way, uh, to victory lane this early in your <laughs> career. Congratulations. Nice. Thanks, guys. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> it's cool having Colton with us. Texas Motor Speedway has seen its share of wild moments throughout the years with one man watching over it all. Track president Eddie, Eddie Gossage, Gossage joins us next to talk about what he's got planned for this weekend. It is a speedway with swagger. One of the fastest tracks we come to. This is the place where fists have flown, faces have been bloody. You left a hole, man, and he closed I it. I left a hole. Yeah. You were the no goodness mother I've on, ever man. met. Nobody loves good old Texas emotion more than track president Eddie Gossage, who joins us by phone from the site of this weekend's NASCAR race. Eddie, what's happening right now outside your office window at the track in preparation for this weekend's event? Well, I've been warming up. I might just jump up and hit somebody this weekend, too. You know, yeah. uh, that's yeah. me excited there. Uh, <laughs> so, no, we've got, uh, we've got some uh, truck practice going on and some news uh, that uh, kind of surprised everybody. Greg Biffle uh, out on the track in uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports uh, truck, and he's turning a few laps because he's going to run here in June, the second truck race of the year. They just wanted him to get a little time on the track under his belt. It's been a little while, so the Biff is back for at least one race. But uh, we're getting ready for a big NASCAR triple header. Trucks on Friday night, the Xfinity Series on Saturday afternoon, and the Cup Series on Sunday. And Eddie, you said it's a big weekend for you guys as a triple header. But one thing I noticed coming into this weekend is you guys prep the track a little differently. You put some of that sticky stuff down. You put the tire dragons up on the top side. So first of all, what precipitated this? And was did you finally listen to the drivers? That's why you went up top. Is that what happened here? <laughs> well, it's always a dangerous thing to listen to the drivers. Uh, but uh, <laughs> no, uh, uh, you know.
you know, our, our engineers at Speedway Motorsports decided that uh, we should probably put some PJ1 down. They talked to the drivers in NASCAR and and uh, did it, uh, put it on the racetrack in all four turns. Uh, didn't go down in the first groove because you know they're going to run that in themselves. So let's uh, see if we can help move, help them move up the hill a little bit better. Uh, and, and time will tell. You know, I mean, the best thing in the world for, as you guys know, for a racetrack for asphalt is to give it time. Uh, just takes a little while to age in and and be and be the best it can be but uh right now we're we're two years old two years into this pavement and so the pj1 uh something we've never done before here and uh thought we'd uh, see if we could help it out a little bit eddie nascar released their 2020 schedule uh you had some interesting thoughts on that what is uh what is your outlook for next year well, for us, uh, we got some help because our, our November race uh, is now an October race. And what is important there is the first weekend in November is deer hunting season in Texas, the start of deer hunting season. And that's almost a religious holiday here. So <laughs> we've heard from fans through the years that if um, we could get it all out of November, uh, it would sure help them to avoid having to pick one or the other. So now it's going to be October 25th. And then uh, our spring race remains the same place as we've been for 23 years now. So so um, I thought it was really interesting. Uh, I think NASCAR did a real good job of giving everybody a little something. Uh, some places got a lot of something, but, you know, everybody uh, kind of uh, gained in some manner or form, and, and that's good for the sport as a whole. So um, interested in what Pocono's doing with the doubleheader weekend. Um, you know, I've always said, uh, great idea. Let's do it with your money. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> we'll see if it works out real well for, for Pocono and then others can, can get on board. But, uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll watch closely what they're doing there and how everybody likes that. And that's just, that's my question now. Do you, you're a fan of the doubleheader or you think it's, it's a tough thing, you know, to, to kind of pull off as a track? Is that what you're thinking? Well, I'm not so concerned about, I mean, work is, you know, it's what you do. I, that doesn't bother me at all to work hard, but um, fans, you know, this weekend we've got fans from all 50 states and 14 or 15 countries at last count. Uh, you know, will they come um, uh, for a doubleheader? Maybe that helps. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. And and then, you know, we've heard some talk about a midweek race, and I think that's one that's a little bit tougher for the folks that do travel. Um but you know, you just want to you want to do what's best for the fans, and so we'll we'll follow close with what Pocono does, and we'll see how it uh, how it works out. Well, seeing some of those video highlights of uh, some of the past emotions that have happened at Texas, you've been there for so many. Is there a specific moment in all the racing series that you have hosted there that really stands out? Well, I mean, yeah, there's been great moments, clearly, from uh, I, I saw you had the A.J. Ari Landike victory lane incident uh, <laughs> in the very first IndyCar race. And, uh, you know, you had the, gosh, Jeff Gordon seems to just be fighting everybody around here all the time. Uh, you know, Jeff Burton and Jeff Gordon, Jeff Burton and, and Brad Keselowski. But, uh, no, i got to be honest, to me, uh, you know, people might be surprised, but I'm just a pure racing fan, and there's a great moment uh, involving Jimmy Johnson, who's the seven-time winner here, won the most races, uh, Jimmy and, and Brad Keselowski. And they're coming off a of turn four late in the, the race. Uh, it was a November race, and it was dark. And um, uh, Brad was trying to get underneath uh, Jimmy to pass him uh, with probably about eight laps to go. And uh, uh, Brad got into a little four-wheel drift and went sideways on about 45 degrees. But uh, he was he was trying his best to stay off of Jimmy, and Jimmy was running hard, and it was just a great racing moment. 
So, Eddie, it's just, what, a little over five weeks. Um, you have something else coming up, the Kyle Petty Charity Ride. Are you excited? You've been on it, what, since the very start. This is 25 years. Yeah, yeah 25 years. And uh, this year, as you know, Krista, because you're going to be with us, I don't know if all of it, but at least a good portion of it. I know. Uh, I'm so nervous. Uh, we're going to go from uh, Seattle to uh, to the Keys. We're going to go as far as you can go from one corner of the country to the other corner of the country, and I cannot wait. Uh, I love my motorcycle being out there on the road, with, particularly with a bunch of friends. So this is this is always uh, one of my highlights of, uh, of my years to the Kyle Petty Charity Ride. Well, and for, for anyone watching at home, obviously, it says want to be a part. I mean, you, you, you donate. You spread the word, the awareness, Kyle Petty and Victory Junction, all the proceeds go to it. It's just so awesome to see the faces light up. Um, and, yes, I'm going to be out there. Are you in the sidecar? <laughs> no, no. I, I know, Eddie, you, you helped me Eddie a lot last year. I know. It'll be all right. Krista is awesome on this ride, guys. I'm telling you, you know, first of all, she's decked out in black leather from head to toe, but her husband's <laughs> with her. And, and, uh, I know, just, PK just, takes good care of me. They're, they're just a lot of fun to have along with us after all this time. Uh, We're glad to have them. It's awesome. And we know you have a big, big event this weekend. Triple header. We can't wait. Thanks for taking some time on your busy weekend for, uh, for catching up with us, Eddie. I got plenty of time for you guys. Thanks for having us on. Thanks, Eddie. Thank you. All right, coming up, if you think Supercross is exciting to watch, wait until you see it from the eyes of a rider. Plus, a chat with Ricky Stenhouse Jr., our guest Supercross analyst this weekend in Houston. Stay tuned. One of the wildest rides in motorsports. Last week, the stars of Monster Energy Supercross were in Seattle, where Marvin Muskan earned another win. But it came with a price after he made a critical mistake. Ralph Shaheen and Ricky Carmichael have more. Well, it was definitely a controversial finish here in Seattle, and this is why. Muskan, you see the Red Cross flag out, and Marvin Muskan jumps through that rhythm lane instead of rolling through, which is what it is supposed to be according to the rule book when an injured rider is down there. That's why that Red Cross flag is out there. He got the win, his second of the year, but Ricky, it's right there in the videotape. He did it. Yeah, I mean, a, a rider of Marvin Muskan's caliber, I mean, it was plain as day. It wasn't like the guy just threw out the Red Cross flag when he got right to him and uh, you're Marvin Muskan you can't make those kind of mistakes I'm telling you right now this one is going to sting I am really disappointed of his uh, lack of awareness and the Red Cross flags I mean you just you can't make that I'm trying to parallel it for, for people and you just can't well Marvin is credited with the win but it will definitely change things in the points so instead of only being seven points behind Cooper now he's 14 but what it also does is it closes Eli Tomac and Ken Roxon up in the point. Yeah, they're all within a race in the teens. It's going to be exciting. A lot of racing left. It's like 
we said it a couple weeks ago. Marvin Muskin wins and sort of close, and then gets those points docked for this for the incident. Yeah, it's just really disappointing. And if he comes back and loses the championship by basically less than seven that points, is. I mean, he's going to really think about that. And what the medical cross flag is is when a rider is down and injured, the doctors come out and work on him. And when you ha when you see that flag, you have to roll every jump. You can't jump from jump to jump. And Marvin Muskan never saw it and just kind of rode by it. And he knew it right away. He saw the video right after the race, and you could just see he knew that he was going to be penalized for it. And it was just disappointing because it didn't – because of that, it wasn't like he won the race. He won the race outright on speed. It was just a mistake that he made that docked him seven points and took it from, as we saw there, what would have been a 14-point lead – that he that it was to a seven. Now it's just back to fourteen. So it was a uh, a great ride that was kind of mirrored by just that incident that he uh, mistakenly knew that he made. Well, someone else who watches the Supercross races every single weekend on NBCSN is NASCAR's Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And this weekend he is doing a little more. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. joins us uh, via the phone. He's already in Texas for his day job. Uh, NASCAR, but tell us what you're doing this weekend down in Houston. Uh, it's going to be fun. I'm almost, I guess you could say, pulling a double header on Saturday with practice and uh, here in Fort Worth, and then uh, jumping on a plane, flying to Houston to uh, do some commentating with uh, Ralph and Ricky in the booth for uh, the Houston uh, Triple Crown. So it should be fun. Uh, I have uh, done the booth uh, once or twice uh, in the Xfinity Series back in the day. So. Um, I did uh, I did chat with Dell Jr. a little bit, trying to figure out what uh, any pointers that he had from the booth. Did he give you pointers? Oh yeah, he said his his biggest thing was uh, just say hey, just act like you're watching the race on the couch with some buddies and, and react to what you see and uh, make sure you talk about it and, and have fun. Ricky, they're gonna let you uh, on the bike and practice a start. We saw that what two uh, years ago. Yeah. yeah. We did see that two years ago. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I am not going to do that. Uh, I would like to ride. I do ride uh, at my house quite a bit. Uh, I have a pit bike track at home. and uh, So get out on the pit bikes and uh, do some racing around with buddies. But, um, you know, I think I'm going to leave uh, I'm gonna leave that up to the professionals this weekend. <laughs> well, just so you know, what Junior told you about the booth, that's how we treat this show as well. So we just hang out here and we act like we're drinking beers. But, uh, hey, I want to talk about your day job for a second in terms of your race team there. You're 12th in points right now. You had a sixth-place finish at Vegas. We're going to a track that I think is maybe the more si most similar to Vegas. What's your confidence level in that 17 car for Texas? Yeah, I think we're, uh, you know, as most of everybody knows, our mile-and-a-half program Actually, I felt like is is the program that we struggled with the most uh, over the last uh, three years or so at Ross Fenway Racing, and so uh, you know this year it's kind of you know taking a turn for the better, and I feel like we've been really competitive at, at every mile and a half we've gone to, and uh, the bigger racetracks that we've ran. So uh, we're looking forward to it. We uh, you know I think every team is continuing to make adjustments and tweaks to their car and uh, to the bodies and playing with you know, drag versus downforce and, uh, you know, the crew chiefs are kind of tuning that in throughout the weekend. And uh, so I know my crew chief, Brian Batty's had a lot of fun being able to tune the cars, um, you know, not just with bars and springs, but, uh, you know, how much drag and downforce you want to add to your cars. So we've uh, we've had a lot of fun with that, and it, we've been successful and, and had some speed. And 
Uh, after Martin's whole last weekend, we're definitely looking forward to getting to a, uh, a track where you can hold the throttle down a little longer. <laughs> well, with that said, Ryan Newman's a new addition to your team. How has that really helped you and just the whole organization? I, I love having Ryan as a teammate. I think, you know, he, with his background and, you know, the engineering type mind background plus being a driver, I feel like brings a whole different, unique, uh, you know, teammate um, and person in driving your car. Like Matt and I, we had different conversations and different ways we described the race car. And then you bring Ryan in, he's got totally different ways of, of describing it. But uh, also I feel like he's got a lot of uh, feedback that, you know, is, is beneficial to helping us making sure we're working on the right things. And, you know, he'll, he'll say some things and I'm like, Oh yeah, I do feel that. Or, um, you know, it's just been, it's been really good. So looking forward to seeing how, um, you know, the short track program evolves. I felt like after, uh, Martinsville last weekend, we had a really good conversation at the shop and, you know, just trying to improve our race cars in all areas. I, I don't know if Ryan gets on the motorcycle, but you guys both have a similar interest in tractors, right? Do you talk about tractors? <laughs> we do, and I actually uh, just got uh, two miniature Longhorns to uh, slide Jai Branch. So we got new additions this week. They came in on Tuesday, uh, and then we had to leave. So unfortunately, they're at the at the house. But um, you know, I asked him. I got advice on on uh, animals as well. Okay. All right. We're keeping track of all of it. And you can keep track of what Ricky is doing uh, with Supercross. He's going to keep a video diary uh, for fans this weekend going back and forth between Fort Worth and Houston. Thanks, Ricky, for joining us. Not a problem. Thanks for having me on and uh, look forward to a great weekend of racing. Awesome. Yeah, I think the best advice for Ricky is whenever Ralph says Ricky, because it could be Ricky Carmichael, Ricky Stenhouse, somebody just, just starts talking. Talk. Yeah, yeah. Well, being asked a lot of questions is part of a NASCAR driver's job, but what are the questions they wish they didn't have to hear? They will tell us in another visit to Russ Basement. Uh-oh, when we return. The NHL's biggest stars shine bright on Star Sunday. First at 12.30 Eastern on NBC, Henrik Lundqvist and the Rangers take on Sean Couturier and the Flyers. Last night, Couturier had a goal in regulation and the only goal in the shootout win over Toronto. Then at 7.30, David Posternock and the Bruins face Dylan Larkin and the Red Wings. NHL Star Sunday presented by AT&T. Last night, Posternock had his third hat trick of the season and five points in a win over the Rangers. As NASCAR broadcasters, we are privileged to go to the track and ask drivers all sorts of questions. Well, since it's opening day in baseball, we head to Rutt's basement where some of NASCAR's best reveal that the questions they're asked are not all home runs. Glenn, what's your least favorite question to be asked? <laughs> You're so good at awkward. <sighs> My least favorite question. What's your least favorite question? This one. Touche, right? <laughs> What's your least favorite question? Your next one. Strangest direct message you've ever received. Exactly. <laughs> least favorite question? Yeah. Uh, are you related to any of the Wallaces? Yeah. I got all the time, are you related to any of the Wood Brothers? Because people thought I must be related to someone. Because uh -huh. how else could I have this job? I never job? even thought about that. <laughs> yeah, you know, your favorite track that gets kind of old. Hmm. It's like the first thing people usually ask. What is your favorite track? It's Bristol. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. 
But like if I, let's say I'm out eating dinner or something and you know, somebody decides to talk to me, which is fine. Yeah. But uh, they always say, well, what's your favorite track? It's like, I like you could ask a better question than that. Right. If this is our time. You, you, you can't think of something better than what's your favorite track. Yeah. But now they know. Yeah, don't ask that It's anymore. Bristol. It's Bristol. Let's check that one off to the ask list. It. You know, like when they ask like, what's the best advice your dad's ever given you? Oh. Like that one, it gets pretty old, you know, after a while. I, I didn't realize that, that is, that's such a constant thing. It is, it is. But, hey, I mean, I get it. Did you your know, dad raise? Cool, yeah. What's his name? Uh, William. William. Oh, cool. Sure is, yeah. Um, superlatives. Hate superlatives. Where you're like, hey, uh, tell me who you think is like the biggest dork in NASCAR. It's like, oh, okay, so you want to use this against me to air on national television. Do you have any pre-race superstitions? Never heard that one. Really? Do you have any pre-race no. superstitions? No. My least favorite question is, how do you think you're gonna do this year? How do you think you're gonna do this year? <laughs> I think we're gonna do good. Me too. Uh, least favorite question? There is no least favorite, man. I like them all. I know, it's such a simple question, but yeah, it makes a whole entire uh, content. Would you guys have a least favorite question as drivers that you would? I'll let you go yeah. first. I always hated when you'd get a fan walk up to you, especially like on a Sunday morning, and be like, you're going to try to win today? <laughs> and I used to say, no, 11th place. That's what I'm going for. Because it's, it's enough where I don't have to do any TV interviews, but still good enough to keep a job. <laughs> I don't know if I can talk. <laughs> you had one until his answer. Right? I, I don't know about that. I mean, I would say the uh, I would go Vera Jones. What's your favorite track? The also, what do you? How do you go to the bathroom? One in the car. I seem to get. I don't know why. If people look at me and they're like, this guy must go to the bathroom in the car. But <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you do? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I've never actually done it. So, so why are we talking about this? Fashion. How do you go to the bathroom? Oh, Krista. I know, well, that's what he does. He you would just, follow you up. You just follow the rut thing. <laughs> I did. Yeah, as Eric said, never went, you could have done I that. I never that went in moment. the car. You that go, was my moment. You go like four times before the show starts. I get it out of the way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Only one time on a USAC midget on a oh. red flag. Funny story. In a they, 20, official came 20 up lap me. race? Well, we had a red flag. The official came up to me. He goes, <laughs> he taps me on the shoulder. He goes, hey, you're leaking something. As we're back to go green. I go, nope. That's just me, the driver. You've raced and a 600-mile race, and your only time is in a 20-lap race. Yeah, but there's a red flag. What are you not getting about this? We're in there. You work on the cars. Five-hour race continue. to a, what, a six-minute red flag yeah. in a nine-minute race. So I used to do, do the work on the car, jump in right as you had a chance to race. So oh, it was only a 20-lap race. I wouldn't nice go to the bathroom. Nice Got try. you. Nice yeah, try. built up. All right, there were so we're going to let this conversation continue in commercial break. There were several worthy nominees for the Global Motorsports Star of the Week, from first-time winners to dominators. Which driver or rider will get the nod? Find out next on the Motorsports Hour. This week, it's two honorees for Global Motorsports Star of the Week. We know that soon-to-be 19-year-old Colton Herta became the youngest IndyCar driver to win a race last Sunday at Circuit of the Americas, but it was also a record-setting day for one of his bosses, George Steinbrenner IV, the co-owner of Harding Steinbrenner Racing, became IndyCar's youngest winning team owner ever at age 22. Yeah, those guys are definitely deserving. No doubt. Looking at the road ahead, it's a Texas two-step this weekend with Supercross in Houston, followed by the NASCAR Cup Series in Fort Worth. 
IndyCar returns April 7th from Alabama here on NBCSN. And IMSA returns April 13th at Long Beach also here on NBCSN. So a little bit of a schedule to get you caught up. And I think that means it's time for Fantasy Picks. Okay. Are you guys ready? Who's going first? The because honors. really, we have to get people ready. So you're yeah. going to watch the NASCAR race. Who should you take as your drivers? I mean, you, you have to probably take these drivers because this is the right pick. <laughs> so you got Martin Trex Jr., fast. Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick won the fall race. Eric Amarola being quietly fast every weekend. Kurt Busch has had a lot of top tens, top fives. Chris Buescher, my old teammate there. That's I, a safer pick. Yeah, I like that. Texas is where he's from yep. and one of his favorite racetracks because I know this because I asked him. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's well done. You asked him his least favorite question probably. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I will give you Kurt Busch being a great pick that I almost picked and I thought about it and then I didn't and I picked these drivers okay. instead. So uh, I went Kyle Busch, of course. Kevin Harvick over oh. there. You got Joe Logano. I have basically all Team Penske because um, Team Penske's been very fast. Uh, I sound like a broken record I know on this show. And then Martin Truex Jr., I added him as my second JGR car because I feel like off of the 18 car, the one that showed the most speed is the 19. I know Denny won the 500, but I just believe that he's been the closest to 18. And this weekend, I think we're going to see some typical mile-and-a-half racing in one and two, and three and four is going to be different, but this could play into Martin Truex's strengths a little bit in the mile-and-a-halfs. Disappointed in you there, Parker. You guys have I didn't put myself. You didn't put you yourself didn't put in there. Oh, yeah. So, well, I didn't do very well in the races <laughs> or in fantasy when I had myself in fantasy. So, okay, so I'm trying approach. to switch it up. Oh, I got approach. you. Okay. Yeah. I, I went to D.C. for a weekend and got this bracelet from a monk, and I'm hoping it changes everything. So it's changed my fantasy picks as well. Yes. What does it have to do with anything? I'm not well, it helped. Okay. Yeah. I'm saying it's, I'm changing everything. Well, okay. I'm changing it all. I'm not doing what it's, I did. You guys did have three of the same picks, the 19, the 22, and the four. That's yeah, we my went, contribution. Yeah. We really went out on the limb there. Yeah. And uh, just thought that, you know, they hadn't really shown any speed yet this year, but this is probably the weekend. Okay, <laughs> Kyle Busch won in the That's spring. You went with I got him. It. It was yeah. good Kevin Harvick won in the fall. You both went, both went with Kevin. Um, and don't forget to go to rotoworld.com uh, for some insider tips as well. And before we say goodbye uh, today, this is the final show for our longtime NBC Sports producer, Ricky Diamond, a nearly 40-year career. There's Ricky. There he is. Ricky. Ricky in the control room. Hey, man. He's not going to like this. No, he doesn't like this at all. A nearly 40-year career covering everything, baseball, hockey, basketball, NASCAR. We are going to miss you, Ricky, and hey. uh, congratulations Ricky, on Ricky, I, I just started career. working here. I, I hope it's not because of me, man. I, I, <laughs> I apologize if it is. <laughs> and uh, I will say that since I first came to NBC a couple years ago, Ricky has been one of the most uh, helpful people in my ear throughout every show and telling me and guiding me to not do things I probably shouldn't do. And therefore, I think he's the only reason I've been able to stay on this network as long as I have. So I'll miss you, buddy. And uh, it's been great working with you. I know. As soon as we started talking, he was probably shaking his head like, oh, they're talking about me. I don't like oh, it. No, and, and no. the camera. Yeah. And, and the camera. But no, thank you, Ricky. Uh, such a such a great career. And uh, we're going to miss you. And this is uh, this is the last show. And I think it was, um, it was nice to have Colton Herta on. Um, thanks to Eddie Gossage, um, Ricky Stenhouse. And again, thanks to Ricky Diamond. Thank you for watching. Have a great weekend of racing. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. 
we come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.